This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be discussing testosterone deficiency in men, an increasingly common problem with significant health implications, but the diagnosis and management can present problems to us in primary care. We know that low levels of testosterone in men are associated with an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, worse outcomes in chronic kidney disease and COVID-19 infection with increased all-cause mortality along with significant implications for the areas of both mental health and relationships. Now, testosterone deficiency can result from primary hypogonadism or secondary hypogonadism. Primary, due to testicular failure, congenital or acquired, and secondary hypogonadism, such as due to reduced gonadotrophins, linked to hypothalamic pituitary disease. So we can look at congenital problems, such as things like Kalman syndrome. We can look at secondary reasons, such as pituitary tumours. And reversible secondary hypogonadism can also be the result of systemic illness, obesity, poor nutritional status, excessive doses of steroids, and drugs such as opiates, spironolactone, and marijuana, for example. We'll be back after a quick break. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least, Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real-life on-the-go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. And now, back to our episode. Now, there are a great many potential signs and symptoms of testosterone deficiency that can suggest the diagnosis. And these can broadly be split into four categories, sexual, physical, cardiometabolic, 
and psychological. Now look at these in turn. So sexual. Now erectile dysfunction is obviously the one we often think about and it's often remembered in clinical practice, but it's very important to ask patients about any loss of early morning erections, including in men who are not in a sexual relationship. A very important point. The absence of these early morning erections can also be a predictor of future cardiovascular events. There may also be reduced libido, delayed or reduced volume ejaculation, fertility problems, or small testes. And it's important to remember that the commonest symptoms of testosterone deficiency we do see in our surgeries are low libido, loss of early morning erections, and erectile dysfunction. In the physical category, we can include reduced body hair, poor sleep, muscle weakness, significant fatigue, hot flushes, and occasionally gynecomastia. With a cardiometabolic side, you could find visceral obesity and a high BMI, and also metabolic syndrome and or type 2 diabetes. Psychologically, there may be mood swings and reduced cognitive function, along with reduced general feelings of well-being. Now, diagnosing tes testosterone deficiency requires taking a careful history, performing a physical examination and arranging laboratory tests if appropriate. If you want to screen for testosterone deficiency, then assess men with erectile dysfunction, those with type 2 diabetes and a BMI greater than 30, if men are taking anticonvulsant, opiate or antipsychotic medication, or any man with consistent signs of testosterone deficiency. And the diagnosis is made from a combination of the char characteristic signs and symptoms being present, plus a reduced serum concentration level of total testosterone or free testosterone. It's the two taken together. So from the history, ask about prescription and non-prescription drug abuse and assess for other systemic illnesses that may be present. If you feel it's helpful, you could consider using a validated questionnaire, such as the Aging Males Symptom Scale, the AMS scale, that can help evaluate clinical responses to treatment, if you wish. On examination, check the BMI and waist circumference, and assess the quantity of body hair present, including pubic hair. Check for any abnormalities of genitalia and for gynecomastia, and do a digital rectal examination to check the prostate. Depending on the findings, you can then go on to arrange blood tests. If you're going to measure the serum total testosterone, always measure this between 7am and 11am on at least two occasions, preferably one month apart, and ideally fasting. Also, I would suggest you do an initial prolactin to exclude hyperprolactinemia and also a full blood count because anemia can occur in hypogonadism. Now, if the total testosterone is low or borderline, by which I mean below 12 nanomoles per litre, then measure the sex hormone binding globulin to calculate the free testosterone. I'd also suggest measure, measuring the serum luteinizing hormone to differentiate primary from secondary testosterone deficiency 
And if fertility is an issue, then measure follicle-stimulating hormone. If you want to treat your patient, then you need to accurately counsel them about the expected benefits and side effects of testosterone therapy to facilitate a joint decision on treatment choice. Patients can have unrealistic expectations about what testosterone treatment may do for them. Testosterone undoubtedly can improve sexual function, bone mineral density, mood and cognitive function, and can also significantly reduce the progression of prediabetes to overt type 2 diabetes. And it's obviously effective at improving erectile dysfunction, especially at total testosterone levels below 8 nanomoles per litre, and for salvaging failure of erectile dysfunction treatment with oral medication at total testosterone levels below 10.5 nanomoles per litre. It can also reduce the need for more expensive second and third line erectile dysfunction treatments. Now, the current treatment options that we've got include testosterone transdermal gels at 1 and 2% strength taken once daily, testosterone undecanoate intramuscular injections given every 10 to 14 weeks, and testosterone enanthate or propionate intramuscular injections given every 2 to 3 weeks. Personally, I would suggest short-acting preparations initially so that treatment can be discontinued or amended in the event of any side effects occurring. Now, an important point here. There is no evidence that testosterone therapy is associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer or cardiovascular risk. It appears to confer benefit in cardiovascular outcomes as well as significantly reducing the incidence of prostate and colorectal cancer, a point that's often forgotten, I think. There are contraindications to testosterone therapy, and these are locally advanced or metastatic prostate cancer, male breast cancer, if the patient has an active desire to father children, a hematocrit greater than 54%, and severe chronic heart failure, by which I mean class 4. An unevaluated prostate nodule or, nodule or induration, or a raised PSA though, must always be fully investigated prior to starting testosterone treatment. Untreated sleep apnea and severe LUTs have previously been considered as contraindications to testosterone treatment but more recent evidence suggests that this may no longer be the case. However, these conditions should be fully investigated and optimally, optimally managed before starting any treatment with testosterone. So I do hope you found that brief overview of testosterone therapy treat, uh, helpful, and thank you very much for listening. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. We have a great show today, but first, take a second to make sure you've subscribed to our show wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks. Please take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. This will conclude the episode. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.